For the week is Leandra Lynn. Hey there, hey there. This is minute number 57. Our minute runs from 0 hours 56 minutes and 0 seconds all the way up to 0 hours 56 minutes 59 seconds and 24 frames. Our minute starts with Andy emphatically repeating her I want the truth. Uh, and then Duke steps up to deliver the put down and uh, Andy responds by storming off. Duke basks in the glory of his victory for a moment and then a Google alert sets off the Mona Lisa barrier perfectly timed with the end of our minute. So I was thinking, Leandra, this this minute really belongs to Duke. What what were you, your thoughts? I can give you that. I'll be the asshole. I, I would say that my first thought when I... The truth is, is that we are all holding on to that golden tooth when I first watched this was realizing just how wrinkly Dave Bautista's head is. I know that it that is. <laughs> it was just incredibly it random to me. I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, I mean, there, <laughs> when, when, when one shaves one's head, you, you don't know, you know, we don't know what we're going to find. And I've like, I, I will not say that my head is that wrinkly, but uh, I, I, I recognize those ridges and wrinkles because even as a young man, when I shaved my head, there was like surprising that the landscape up there that is usually hidden is um, it's surprising. There's a lot of a lot of features. <laughs> I, I think that I kind of expect a little bit of like wrinkling in the back, but like way up at the top, I was like, oh, wow, this is. This is such a journey for uh, for his head, his skull. Yeah, yeah, um, and also he like he is not a young man. Um, he is fifty four years of age. Oh wow! At the moment, so maybe fifty two at the time of filming this. Um, fifty two, fifty three. When when um, uh, yeah, because he just turned fifty four in January, and um, yeah, so it's interesting what you were saying yesterday about like him being the next generation of um uh wrestling turned actors wrestlers turned actors after Dwayne Johnson which of course in terms of movie output is true but in terms of age the rock is 51 he's he's uh, slightly younger um Welcome to the Rock Minute, everybody. Uh, we're going to keep we're going to keep going on about him this week. Pretty but, sure um, it's we hate the Rock Minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah. So like Bautista, obviously, um, you know, started his film, started his, his uh, acting career much later um, than than Dwayne Johnson, or maybe he didn't. Maybe he was in obscure roles that I wouldn't. But in terms of like being in the public eye and being known as an actor uh, he's much more recent and um yeah and seems to be much more into the acting side of it so what did you think of his performance in this minute i think that this was not a strong minute for for our dear duke i think really? that there were some some good points but 
particularly uh, at one point he said, put yourself on a cross, and that specific bit of the line delivery was, I think, really forced. We're all playing the same game here, honey. You lost. So you can go ahead and put yourself up on a cross like some unspeakable crime has been committed against you that none of us could possibly imagine. I, it makes me wonder how many takes they, uh, they had where this had to be the best one interesting yeah um because i don't i don't disagree strongly or anything um but when i was talking about maybe a, a weaker moment of his acting that's still yet to come for me <laughs> from what i was talking about um this is we're really beating up on the wrestlers here today um but uh just bunch yeah, of heels we are Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave Bautista needs to come and take us on in an acting duel. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I definitely wouldn't win that one from that performance anyway. But um, <laughs> come, on, come on, I had no time to prepare. But uh, yeah, I think, like, you're, so he maybe didn't have the conviction he should have or the, that, like, it wasn't very convincing that these were his words or... You know, I know sometimes when, when acting is, like, poor, it's because y you you can't believe that the words coming out of this mouth are this character's words. Like, the, the, like the actor hasn't found a way to make them his own or, or, or their own. That's What do you think? That's definitely part of it. It's also um, maybe that line felt clunky to him. And yeah. Uh, and he had, or he had trouble remembering it, or something like that. It just felt like the words weren't fluid. And I went, yeah. mm. but me, I'm tired of pretending like you're the victim in this game. You just couldn't hack it. You're the loser. There, that's the truth. There she is. There's Andy. I know. It's yeah. It's interesting that you should say that because it, in the screenplay, the words are slightly different. You know. So Duke says, um, "Truth is, we're all holding on to that golden tit. We're all playing the same game here, honey. And you lost. Go on, get up on your cross. You had some unspeakable crime committed against you that none of us could ever imagine. Go on. Yeah. It's actually yeah. It's only slightly different. He takes out the go ons." And he's like, I think he puts in as if you had someone speakable crime. So very small changes. Yeah, I, I wonder if that's because he was having difficulty learning them or because he yeah needed to change the words slightly to make his own of it or whatever he work he did with um with Ryan Johnson. Um I'm done pretending you're the victim in this game. Um you just couldn't hack it you're the loser there the truth so like almost what he said you know i'm done pretending is uh i'm sick of pretending is what he says in the in the movie um but uh yeah because i i didn't think this was you know particularly amazing or you know particularly noteworthy either way of of like his his performance um so that's uh that's interesting poor dave he needs he needs some more lessons um, yeah, it's interesting how how um, Andy responds because she has this like brief kind of 
enigmatic smile dare I say like a Mona Lisa smile like it's an odd little moment and obviously more light will be cast on it later when we know more about the situation but uh, so I think Janelle Monet is faring much better uh, in the acting department here because she's pulling off something very small and subtle and we're right in close to pick up on that and then we move to the bigger action and and this action where she like you know goes past um and and bumps into him and you know takes on like physically takes on in, in a sense you know in, in the in the like shoulder checking sense this much bigger very intimidating guy um speaks volumes about her character and that's not in the script either that must have been something that was worked out um you know on the day or before or at some stage between writing and um acting because in the script it says he stares andy down she looks around at the others they all avoid her gaze uh, she lowers her eyes and walks out so the script is saying is putting her in a position of being very much defeated in that moment and as it actually plays out it's a little bit more ambiguous you know and certainly she doesn't um she she's she storms off rather than having an answer so she is defeated in this in the kind of argument sense but she storms off defiantly rather than just uh you know lowers her eyes and walks out and 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 she you know bumps into the guy um and duke says there's the andy i know so that's like it's a quite a different meaning in the script you know is like if somebody just lowers their eyes and walks out of the room and you say, there's the Andy I know, then you're like, you know, what was she, uh, you know, uh, submissive? Uh, yeah, <laughs> this scared, is, you know? um, the, the exit that they have in the film itself really gives Andy a lot of agency. She's the, the yeah. she makes the decision to leave because she is upset not because she doesn't have any backup and i think yeah. that th that really is important yeah and the and the backup thing there there is one shot just of um lionel putting his head down and so you know the idea that she doesn't have backup still remains there but it was going to be that none of them had you know that it was going to be uh, probably a wide shot that would show them all kind of looking away or looking down whatever and um but i kind of think lionel stands in for the group as well because we would have been shown a shot if somebody else was willing, willing to set uh, to stand up in her favor so yeah so uh just very interesting kind of um dynamics at play here and um yeah so so talking about this moment of the Mona Lisa smile it's something we'll be kind of tracking with Janelle Monet as we go through um the movie as subsequent um hosts and guests will, will be taking a look at those maybe later on um ha and of course this minute starts with a, a close-up shot of the Mona Lisa have you seen the Mona Lisa in person oh no I have not no mm. um yeah because I just think it's interesting is that you know uh obviously many people have and uh it, it's just got this really outsized image in our kind of collective imagination whatever way you want to say it and um 
because it is like you know you if you go to see it in in the louvre it, it, it is hanging up it is surprisingly small um and i think they you know made it bigger for this movie as they usually do for movies um and uh, i can understand why they did that but at the same time so many people have seen it and the first thing you notice about it when you see it is that it's so small so i kind of think a movie like this should should not shrink it like just use a different lens and go up closer you know what i mean um like when you're up close it doesn't matter and if it's in a wider shot you know having a group of people like kind of peering and leaning in is an interesting visual as well so i don't really know why the need obviously i'm not a filmmaker so i don't know how how it would have looked but um yeah it seems weird to to kind of play along with the hollywood version of what the Mona Lisa looks like rather than the real life version because it is small and like and I know that I saw I saw it went to the Louvre as a teenager and um seeing it there it's like really hard to separate the kind of the iconography and the 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 gravitas that the the painting has from the feeling that you get from the painting itself so I don't really even know if i can kind of trust my memory but i do i do i did really feel it was amazing to be witnessing it you know and i just know that yeah there's so many people were crowding around it as well that you couldn't really you know stay at it for that long and you certainly couldn't have like a quiet moment with it here uh which is another like you know billionaires famously hate being around you know general um the general population and the idea of having to go and queue with the the rest of the schmucks and 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 uh, kind of gather around <laughs> a crowd around and see it um you can see why miles braun wanted to have his um you know private viewing but uh i mean some billionaires want to go all the way to mars to get away from people but there, there you go um so so uh yeah because when you see it in person it does it does have this real presence but like that, it's it's kind of this fetishized object, and it has taken on this kind of outsized um, share of our of our kind of collective awareness. And it's just been used in so many. Like even thinking back to like it shows up in like Looney Tunes when I was a kid, and just it's in the Rocky like, Horror Picture Show multiple it's times. It's in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. What's what's the context there? So it's in uh, in the room where they're doing the time warp. Um, they, yeah. uh, there are two of them on a wall and one of them is flipped. So it's just two Mona Lisa's kind of vaguely staring at each other. Oh, uh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I, I can't remember that. Yeah. Um, but that's, uh, so is that like a background detail or would you notice it? Like it's, um, it's not given. It, it's definitely a background detail. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, so I might not have it's one of the yeah. two like famous paintings that are referenced heavily within the Rock Hero Picture Show, um, but only What's the other one. Um, it is American Gothic. Oh, of course, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, that's great, yeah. Um, but you were gonna say, yeah, that was it. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, because um, because the Mona Lisa, I know there's a, a very kind of funny um use of it in that movie um equilibrium the um yes. the 
oh so memorable definitely a huge contribution to cinema kind of a movie and uh what are you talking early about on in the movie, just, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> i, I kind of have a soft spot for i it. do love it i saw it on a i, I saw it on a plane <laughs> and i thought it was i had got i picked up the wrong end of the stick and i thought it was an adaptation of uh, uh, uh some philip k dick short story and so I kind of put down some of the cheesier elements to like, well, that must come from the story because it's kind of a you know, too much of a cliche otherwise. And um, and uh, and then found out, no, it's just a completely original thing. And um, so uh, but anyway, it, the, the part of the story is that art is banned or whatever. And, and so they they under the floor, under the floorboard, somebody's hiding art. And uh, my friend Stu said when he saw it, he just went. Mona Lisa, you know they're, they're going to pick up the Mona Lisa because it's the stupidest, most obvious joke you could, or not joke, stupidest, most obvious reference you could do, and uh, they're going to burn the Mona Lisa in front of everyone, and that's exactly what happens. And it's a very big painting, of in, course, in the movie as well. And it's like the Hollywood version of the Mona Lisa gets burned in front of everyone, and um, and that may happen in another movie as well, uh, but we don't know. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's Equilibrium. Welcome to Equilibrium Minute, where we still hate The Rock. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to ask you about your you know, acting experience and stuff. Have you ever played in a either a murder mystery or just this kind of ensemble scenario? Where, that, where Does this movie remind you of any plays you've done or anything? Um, I've stage managed a, um, an Agatha Christie before, and I did a murder mystery dinner theater once. And oh, great! It was it, it was torturously bad, but oh no! Um, it was one where the uh, the audience had to kind of decide on who they thought the murderer was. So everybody yeah. at the end of the night had to be on their toes and be like ready to have their monologue of why they did it. Oh, brilliant. So it was done like Cluedo or, or Clue as, as yeah. it's called in the US where, where they had the multiple endings and all the multiple endings had to make sense or, and be set up during the thing. That sounds like, uh, yeah, sounds <laughs> like an overambitious playwright for a dinner theater kind of thing. And... I I had forgotten my monologue because the uh, the person directing it was like, I I want everybody to have an opportunity to do this. So once you've gotten two nights of being the murderer, even if the audience votes for you, it's going to go to the next yeah. guy. Uh, so I was like the okay. obvious, like this is the person who did it. Um, so yeah. I got my two nights out way at the beginning of the run. And then for the last show, <laughs> the director's like, anybody <laughs> can do it. And uh, and they voted for me, and I went, oh no, I, this has been deleted from my brain for like a month and a half. So I remember going, and then he pulled out his gun. I mean, his yeah. knife. <laughs> <laughs> and the audience just looked at me like, this is this is not what I paid for. <laughs> it was so oh, so no. awful, but so great. Oh, that's torturous. That's torturous. Well, I can. I haven't uh, I haven't acted on the stage m much, um, but I have uh, 
I've had many uh, yeah brain fart and ADHD moment on stage as a as a singer in a wedding band and I can tell you yeah it's torturous um but uh but yeah that is that is nasty um so <laughs> I mean they probably weren't as you know critical as you felt you know what I mean as you felt I know that that's like that it, it always feels worse in the moment um but uh but yeah, so but that was the only flub you made in the because uh, I was thinking you you like you you know went out to do the dialogue and the whole thing was wrong and you just like were pausing and no that was and, that was the major flub I uh, like I got in my head that I was wow I actually do remember all of this and yeah and yeah. as I stopped and focusing then you started my brain went nope <laughs> <laughs> yeah. take a seat yeah I've been there. So what was the Agatha Christie that you were uh, behind the scenes on? Uh, it was The Mousetrap. Okay, I'm not, uh, not familiar with that one. Is it a Poirot? Um, no, it is uh, one of her earlier ones. It, uh, it is, I think, still the longest running um, play. I think that that's, the, uh, that's its bit of notoriety. Oh, I see. Okay. And... Um... Yeah, and is it a kind of a this kind of setting of like? Well, obviously, it's not this kind of modern setting, but like the, of rich people in a yeah, in some kind of leisure situation. Or, it's yeah. uh, it is a bunch of people who are uh, at a kind of vacation home, and yeah. they're snowed in, oh, so they can't perfect, they can't perfect. leave. Yeah. So, because the dock is uh, the wrong. Oh no, that's not that. That minute hasn't happened yet. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, that is that's good stuff. That's interesting. Because of that experience, those experiences, did did this kind of feel familiar to you? Or did, oh, you absolutely. Know? And I I know that I talked a bit about this the last minute or yesterday. Uh, but uh, there uh, there are drawing room plays and they're these yeah. plays that are set um essentially in one room and all the mm -hmm. action just kind of flows through that room and i i really love that this uh, this scene in particular really relies heavily on that because it's such a such a great murder mystery sort of thing yeah yeah, it's a it's a great setup, and obviously there's a logistical uh, reason that it's done that way on stage because you've got one set and you've got people going in and out. But it's a great way to create an atmosphere as well and create a kind of um, yeah, create this um, sense of people being thrown together in this in this space. Yeah, and I guess that brings us into tomorrow's minute of people kind of yeah. I won't won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> That's tomorrow's minute. So I think um, I think that's a bit of a short one today, but I think it wraps it up. So Leandra, do you want to tell us where you can be found on social media? Absolutely. You can find me at RockyHorrorMinute.com or on Facebook and Instagram at RockyHorrorMinute. Uh, pretty sure that, uh, that those are my major plugs for Rocky Horror Minute. You can look at us, uh, look us up, of course, wherever you get your podcast, though. Good stuff. And if you go to MalkovichMinute.net, uh, you will see all the links to the various uh, social media 
ghost towns that I no longer look at. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but you know you you might catch me. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. So as for this show, listeners, come and connect with this show on Twitter at Glass Onion Min, all one word. And if you can rate, review, and make sure you're subscribed on your podcaster podcatcher of choice, that would be wonderful. Bye for now, and be sure to come back tomorrow for another Glass Onion Minute.